Who can say where the killer roams? When the blood flows, it's slaying time. Slay away. Slay away. Slay away. behind your favorite horror films, lore, gore, and every kill in between. We have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Indigen, who is the producer of the psychosexual thriller Follow Her. Michael is a Daytime Emmy-winning producer and Daytime Emmy-nominated director with five total Daytime Emmy nominations and 26 years in the film and television industry. Michael is not only known for producing the feature film Follow Her, but he's also known for producing and directing the two-time daytime Emmy-winning PBS travel show Samantha Brown's Places to Love, and his work also includes serving as the UPM for the Harvey Keitel film Chosen, line producer and UPM for the pilot Laying Low, and director, producer, and writer for the life-winning short Lucky Day. Writing job, so join me on Wednesday when I'm meeting Tom B in the park. I'm Tom. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm better now that I found my co writer. You live in a barn? <sighs> That's a bad idea. Could make it more fun. How about this? You come up with the next part of the script, and then you improvise, see how it pans out. Who survived? You social media stars. You think the world is all about your shitty content. We're so excited to have you here. Welcome to Slay Away. So, Michael, were you a particular fan of horror and thrillers before getting into producing Follow Her? I was. Um, you know, it's funny, like you go through stages of what films you like and things like that. And I was always a fan of cinema growing up. And uh, I grew up in a time where Halloween was the big movie, you know, Halloween, the original Halloween, Halloween 2, John Carpenter's Halloweens. I mean, I always loved his movies, especially The Thing. And I I love that sort of thing. And then I, I, yeah, I mean, I grew up in that horror craze where my friends and I loved all of that 
A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, all of that stuff, you know, the, all of those classic horrors, you know, and I loved all of that. And I think as I got older, I started to what I classify as staying away from scary movies and just got more into other kind of things. But uh, coming back to the genre with follow her, it just was an easy jump back into it uh, because I realized that I, I do, I do love the genre thrillers and horror films and follow her is a little bit more of a thriller than, you know, your slasher film or anything like that. But um, it was an easy comeback for me. And again, as a filmmaker, whether you're a producer or a director, I think you just adapt to what what's in front of you. You know, let's make it the best, the scariest, the tensest, the thrillest. And, you know, I was always really um, interested in in Hitchcock films as well, like the, you know, the suspense versus uh, surprise sort of elements in making thrillers. I love Rope and Rear Window. Those are the first Hitchcock films that I'd seen. He adapted several crime novels to film, and particularly those written by women, although he didn't often credit them for their work. Absolutely. I mean, Rear Window is one of my absolute all-time favorite films. I mean, just I just love the, the, the premise of the film, you know, just uh, Hitchcock is a master, and just to tell it from one room, you know, like, of a, someone who's a voyeur, right, watching through his lens, you know, peeping Tomish and, you know, getting involved with everyone else's business was interesting to me. So, Michael, had you previously worked with director Sylvia Kamenier or screenwriter and star Danny Barker before producing Follow Her with them? Uh, so you had it pretty close. It's uh, Kaminer, Sylvia Kaminer. So um, at this point, Sylvia and I have been working almost 10 years together. Um, I was very fortunate to get connected with her to work on a film uh, that was, uh, it was a World War II film that was shot in Hungary, but they needed to shoot two days in New York, in Long Island, with Harvey Keitel to bookend the story. So Sylvia was tasked with producing the New York City unit, and she and I got connected, and I wound up serving as the unit production manager for that piece of the film and once we started working together we instantly clicked um we became colleagues friends i mean sylvia almost became a mentor to me and we we became collaborating ever since then so when follow her ended up in front of her that she knew that she wanted to direct this film um it was her first narrative film that she was going to direct and she asked me if i was interested in producing the film I was going to ask you what drew you to the feature, but it sounds like Sylvia brought you in on it. And I understand that it's her first narrative feature. You both have a lot of experience working in television, and I believe that you've also written and directed a few short films and episodes for television. I have. You know, the thing is, Sylvia and I both are, we have a great deal of onset experience. So it to us, it sort of doesn't matter. Film, television. I have a huge background in commercials and corporate, where I was a I served as a vice president of production for a production company where I produced everything that came through the door from, you know, big industrial type uh, internal films for like The Gap, Avon, Pepsi, Hertz, you know, that sort of thing. So I probably produced 
over 800 projects, I would say. So I got a great deal of experience. And I also directed uh, quite a few here and there. And again, being a student of cinema, I always loved cinema and I always gravitated towards it. Sylvia brought me, you know, gave me the opportunity um, uh, to connect with the with the PBS travel show that we work on together that we produce uh, that she, that we both produce. She's the series producer. I produce six seasons for the PBS travel show, Samantha Brown's places to love. I've directed a few episodes series. Sylvia, the primary director. So yeah, I have a great deal of uh, background in directing and producing. And I, I sort of marry that creative and logistical approach for whatever, however, whatever capacity I'm working on. So when, follow her came to Sylvia and she shared it with me. I read through the script and I immediately was hooked on the script. I really liked it. I thought that there was an audience there. I thought it was relevant for today's social media world. I liked the fact that it was a psychological thriller. And you know, to be quite honest, it's this was the first narrative feature that I've directed in full. I mean, uh, so it really, I wasn't really too nervous about that because knowing that we were going that I was going into this working with Sylvia as a partner was a huge um, uh, advantage for us with all of our experience and our cohesive working relationship and from that point I got a chance to meet the writer star Danny Barker who I was honestly fascinated with because she based the story on her real life experience as a social media star, which I thought was fascinating that she turned her real life experience into this thriller. That's incredibly interesting. I had not learned that Danny had based the film on her own experiences. I screened it at Popcorn Frights and reviewed it and was really fascinated by the premise. There are plenty of twists and turns in the film. It subverted tropes more often than it followed them, which was unexpected and really exciting. It's a very engaging film, um, which was also exciting because that's hard to do when you're trying to appeal to audiences that have watched a lot of horror and thriller films. What's interesting, she had a, um, a web series, uh, a, a, a YouTube channel. Um, I think it was called Starvival. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but she would answer these sketchy classified ads, online ads, which you know they would like, they, they were not what they put out to be like. So she would basically answer these ads. Like there's one ad like that, that was, that appeared in the film. That was actually a true story. She got paid to do something like $50 to do for some reason, but the, the person who hired her wanted to tickle her for 30 minutes. Sounds crazy, but she would turn that around and record these interactions. She would video them secretly and then use them on her page to build up a, an audience for doing all of these sketchy odd job type things, but record them secretly. Uh, she based her experience on that for this, for the follow her script. Well, I won't use the word crazy or anything like that because I'm not one to kink shame, but what I wanted to know <laughs> is in addition to your producing credits, you've also directed and written for short films and television. Do you have any future aspirations to write or direct a feature film? I do. I do. I I consider myself a you know, a creative and I'm fascinated by cinema. 
I've studied cinema. I've been a part of it uh, from a creative standpoint, from a logistical standpoint. And I do want to create uh, a project. I want to direct my own projects and but continue to produce and direct. I mean, currently I'm working on I'm working on developing a few scripts. One is a project. Uh, that focuses on mental well-being. You know, I think that's an important subject matter, um, emotional well-being, and how you know, and the stigma that's tied to that. So that's something that I'm working on as far as a project. I I'm a big fan of fantasy and science science fiction as well. Um, so I'm working on a couple of projects that I'm writing and developing that I hope to direct down the road but I'm still open to producing as well because I feel like, you know, it's such a collaborative process that it, it works hand in hand. And I think there's a lot of takeaway from working with a lot of other artists as a creative, whether you're in the logistical or creative side, uh, you know, as part of that team. Working with Sylvia on Follow Her, what input did you have on the project? I'm not sure how Luke Cook became attached to the film, but he was so perfectly maniacal yet very comedic and entertaining at the same time. The film definitely felt like a thriller, but also a horror comedy at times. Absolutely, and that's a great, that's a great credit to, to the script, to Danny Barker's script, because she wrote colorful characters. I think the script was strong enough that, you know, it, it helped secure our cast, you know, of besides, Luke, besides Luke Cook, also Eliana Jones, and Mark Moses, uh, Luke was fantastic in terms of, you know, the, you know, once he read the script, he was definitely interested in playing that role. And it just was a natural role for him. He's originally from Australia. He plays with this Australian versus American accent in the film. So that was very natural. The character was close to his personality. So that was easy. And he also asked Sylvia, you know, if, if he had any liberty to play with some of the dialogue. And she was all open to that. And he played with some of the, his dialogue as he knew his character would speak truth to, you know, just in terms of the mystery, the mysteriousness behind his character, also the playfulness, but also the sharp edged edgedness uh, to his character. So he had a lot of liberty in that, um, which I think really comes through on screen with his character. Um, he's a tremendous, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's a cartoon character, but he's a very colorful character in, in the, in the film, which brings a lot of richness and depth to it. To, to answer your other question, Sylvia is, you know, again, working with her, she and I have such a great collaborative working experience. And this is one thing that I truly appreciate about her about her professionalism is that she's always open to my opinions. And while she's the director, but she also looks at me as more of a creative producer um, in that she's open to my ideas and just my feedback, uh, whether, whether it came to casting crew, um, the script, the editorial, um, the sound, you know, I was a part of the whole process, just, giving, you know, giving, getting a chance to work with Sylvia, not maybe telling her, you know, you know, just, but just giving feedback on, on what I thought in terms of the edits, the score, uh, as far as the crew goes, I mean, I, I was very instrumental in that. I mean, even though Sylvia is a producer on the film, as was Danny, I served as the lead producer. So I really took charge on that logistical side in terms of 
the crew. Sylvie certainly had our ideas about the crew, specifically about hiring the, uh, or bringing on board the great Luke Geisbuehler, who is our cinematographer. Luke's, you know, his eye behind that lens was just tremendous, but I was able to supplement the crew around some of the key people that we worked together. And it was really a hand-in-hand process of working together to bring a, you know, just a very positive uh, cast and crew, diverse, you know, uh, having a chance to have uh, as much uh, diversity on the set behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. And also wanting to bring as many uh, female, uh, uh, you know, cast and crew on board as well. I mean, I think at one point we were over 50% on on the crew being female uh, crew members, which I was very happy and proud about. I read and called out in my review that there is definitely a female-centric voice throughout the film, but the cast is predominantly women as well as the crew, which is fantastic. It's very different when a woman's story is being told by and directed by a man. At times, that can really muddy the perspective of the female characters, so to see so many women involved in the project was really exciting. My next question for you is, growing up in a time when you got to experience 70s and 80s horror firsthand, specifically the slasher genre, did that influence how you got your start in the film industry? It's funny. When I when I first, I didn't know, I always loved cinema. You know, I, I love going to movies. I mean, my earliest memory of, my earliest childhood memory, uh, honestly, was when I was four years old and my parents took me to a drive-in movie to see Star Wars. And... Uh, I just had a new hope, 1977. So I remember, I mean, think about it, going to see a drive-in movie, 1977, it happened to be Star Wars. Like that's my first, I remember pulling into the the drive-in and seeing those images on screen of the, the you know, the R2-D2 and C-3PO in the desert in Tatooine, just walking. And that's my first memory. And I think I was hooked on cinema immediately. But it wasn't until later, you know, and watching all of those movies and going to college, I went to school at Virginia Tech and I originally went for architecture. I, I did not go as a film student. I just wasn't sure until once I was there, you know, we had a lot. We That's when you had access to now like video recorders and VCRs and everything was tape based. You could actually shoot things on, on a VCR tape and sort of. You know, I, I started shooting some some English projects instead of doing a writing project. I did a video project, and I just realized that I love this. I love movies. I love cinema. So I got you know I took all the film classes I could. I as soon as I graduated college, I being located next to, uh, growing up in New Jersey, right next to New York City, I had New York City at my access. So I decided to tried to get a job in the film industry. Now, back then, there was no internet. There was no way to go online and figure out who's hiring and this and that. You had to take extra initiative. You had to go to this New York City. Uh, the mayor's office of film had a listing of all the productions in place. So I would go there, find out what the productions were, get their address, and literally mail resumes to them um, and hope to get a call at home. I mean, and this is before cell phones too. So um, I got a chance to work, you know, someone took a shot on me, at to hire, took me on as an intern for a production company that, that did all of these music videos. Uh, 
during in the hip uh, the height of the hip hop era in the the mid to late nineties, and I got taken on as an intern, and I just I just wanted to get in that production office to get on set, and I did. And next thing you know, I became a head intern. I came a production assistant, production coordinator, production manager, just the in- initiative of this is what I want to do. And I just figured, why not try to jump into the industry and try to get paid to learn versus going back to school and pay to learn. Um, and all those hip hop videos, I mean, I some of the stuff I worked on was with the, the Wu-Tang Clan and, and, well, they call him Diddy now, but he was Puffy back then. And I worked with Puffy many times and I learned a great deal about how things happened on set. And it was sort of a boot camp. You know, I was a production assistant slash intern for about a year, and it was a boot camp of working long hours, like 18-hour days. I've worked 24-hour days, you know, driving the, you know, being physical with, you know, picking up the the cube truck, picking up all the equipment, bringing it to set. And we shot everything on film back then on those big things. So going to Kodak, picking up the film, dropping the film off at Technicolor, I learned a lot of filmmaking things that you, you, you know, you had to put your time and dues in. And, and I learned a great deal about cinema from that early on experience. Well, that's all very cool. And I do recall the time of paper resumes. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until I was well over the age of 18. And I can tell you, it sure wasn't a smartphone. It was a Nokia and you could play snake on it. <laughs> So we've talked about some of your projects. Can you share anything about either your current or upcoming projects? I know you may not be able to tell us too much. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing that was a great project that I did that I can talk about that just got released on Shutter. It's a, it's a um, it's a documentary uh, series called Queer for Fear. Oh, you worked on Queer for Fear. That's fantastic. I'm so excited to hear that. Um, It's really a series that means quite a lot to us in the queer community. (laughs) Uh, It was a tremendous experience. I worked, I I served as the producer for the New York City unit. So that Queer for Fear was shot all over in in various cities, but I had the privilege of being the producer for the New York City unit, which we wound up filming a couple of days. And uh, at the time, I didn't know much about the project, but uh, the I have to tell you, just sitting there, setting everything up and working with the Queer for Free team, Brian Fuller, the executive producer, who's a tremendous talent, and and Steakhouse Productions, that was another uh, great team. Uh, Steakhouse, the, uh, the other executive producer, Chelsea Shepard, the, um, the, uh, another you know, part of the Steakhouse team. Uh, listen... When they called, I'm like, wow, we have we have some big shoes to fill. So I had to, we had to bring it. You know, we wanted to not let the New York City team let down um, the L.A. folks. So but we, I'm really proud about how it came off. I mean, just sitting there after everything is set and just hearing these interviews one after the other. It was just fascinating, fascinating. And uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen it yet on Shutter, but I uh, but I I'm looking forward to it. But I'm just really fascinated to see how everything we shot was incorporated with the bigger picture of, of what was shot across uh, the globe. Oh, fantastic. Can you share a few of the interviews that your team got to shoot? Yes. One of the interviews that really stuck out for me was a writer, Lawrence Cohen. Uh, he wrote the original it TV series with John Ritter. And uh, he also wrote, Carrie, uh, the, the, the with Sissy Spacek. Ooh, 
yes, I'd seen a interview from him in the recent documentary. I think it's Pennywise, uh, the story of it, and it's uh, on Screenbox right now. Yeah, it was really interesting to listen to this man speak. I mean, I've seen his work and tremendous fan of Stephen King and let alone, I mean, it was one of my favorite Stephen King books. It was one of the scariest books I've ever written, uh, uh, read. I don't know if I would ever read it again because it was so terrifying, but to see, you know, that adaptation and now, you know, as, as a, you know, as a high school, you know, I read that book when I was in high school now to be sitting there listening to the man who wrote the, uh, you know the the, uh, the the screenplay for well for the TV series. It was just fascinating, and to talk to him and listen to her, you know, and just talking to him off camera. Just, it was he was a he's a tremendous. Uh, it was just a tremendous opportunity to sit there and you know it's like interview talking to some of the heroes in your life, you know, so to speak. So he's a uh, I can't say enough about him and just listening to these stories about how how you know as writers how you had to you know craft in these you know certain messaging because you couldn't say certain things you couldn't talk about certain things in the 50s and 60s and 70s but you had to do it in a certain way uh to speak to a certain audience which was really tremendous it was, it was really fascinating to me there are a lot of great films that have allegories for the queer experience i know they resonate with me and queer for fear is something that i'd been looking forward to for quite some time so i have to thank you for being part of it oh i appreciate it. i'm glad i'm glad to be a part of it i was very thrilled uh, you know my small part in it was just the you know the new york city aspect to it but that was really exciting and i know that was just released uh, uh you know within the past week or so um well, Michael, I want to close with asking you what advice you would give to individuals with a passion for films and filmmaking, any facet of, you know, being part of the film industry that are looking to get their start. Uh, it's funny. I was just at the Nashville Film Festival representing Follow Her. And afterwards, after the screening of our film, a couple of young filmmakers came up to me and talked to me and asked me the same very question. And uh, I was happy to sit down and talk to them. And I think that the best advice I can say to anyone is get involved. Um, and, and I also think all experience is good experience, even if it's a bad experience, because you'll quickly learn what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And I think it's important to learn about what you don't want to do as well and also not be afraid to make mistakes because you won't make those same mistakes the second time it depends what you want to do you know if you want to be a director direct meet people who are directors hang around people you know this is a very tough business it requires hours creativeness to, to meet people networking and if you're not living in new york or los angeles you know we have so many resources or even atlanta i mean there's so many hubs to to connect to i would say to try to connect with people whether it's online through groups through chat groups or, or whatever it is but you have to be involved you can't just sit and wait for someone to knock on your door you're going to have to go out there meet people because you just never know you could volunteer as a production assistant for a short film but meet you know and and work for 3 or 4 days and 
but you're going to meet a director, a producer, a cinematographer, a grip, a graffer, a makeup artist who said, oh, I remember that person. They're great. And I'm going to recommend this person. And it just, it takes experience, right? You have to be, no matter how much experience you have on the set, it's going to grow through your whole career. You have to realize that there's an end game. If I'm 25 years old and I know I want to be a filmmaker, heck, I might have 50 years ahead of me. So it has to start somewhere. You have to get your hands dirty, so to speak, and, and get your feet on the set and get that experience and understand the lingo that's used on set. And you have to be, to be a film person, you have to be around film people, right? You have to, you know, and, and I would also say that the, the, the younger who are the, the bigger risk that you can take, you know, Hey, maybe there's a film in upstate New York that I might have to move there for a month, but maybe I'll get an experience. Maybe I'll learn something, you know, maybe, you know, it, it, that's what it takes. It's just getting involved. You know, there's so many online resources for, to get hired. I mean, there's mandy.com there's staff me up there. There's so many resources to get work. Even if it's, if you volunteer, it's just that, I mean, I worked for free. You know, I had a college diploma in my pocket and I worked for free to meet people and, and it has to start somewhere. That is fantastic advice. And all I can say to anyone is, you know, it's never too late to pursue a dream. Not at all. I mean, we have, there's so many, have, there's so many people that I know that who are 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 who want to get into it in some capacity. But again, experience is everything. Like, even though I want to be a cinematographer, I think it's a good idea to learn how sound works, how the grip department works, how electric works, how HMU works. Because, you know, all of, like for me as a producer and as a director, I have to know all of those in apartments, departments inside and out. If the sound department has a problem, I don't want to wait for the sound department to fix the issue and bring the picture to a grinding halt. I got I should be able to get in there and fix a problem or understand the problem, even though I'm not a, you know, technically sound, a savvy sound mixer, but I have to understand that process. You know, so I think all experience in all departments is another great thing. You know, even if you're an actor and you want to work as a production assistant, just understand the inner workings of behind the scenes so you understand the set etiquette. I think it really works. Filmmaking is a collaborative process. And I think that if you understand the other departments, you can make your own interest, your own department that much stronger. And it, mean, it just means getting involved. No one wants to work for free. I understand that. A lot of times I'm at this point in my career, people will say, like, listen, I need some help. I only have this much. You know, can you help me out? I'm like, no problem. Let me help you in whatever I can do. You know, there's so it's going to be like that throughout your career. I mean, it might be different on a studio level. Sure. But as up and coming people, you know, in trying to break in the industry, whether it's in the independent film industry, whether it's in commercials, whether it's in TV, whether it's in news, whatever you're interested in, just try to be involved and meet as many people and connect with any as many people as possible, because something's going to stick, you're going to make an impression and someone's going to call you. And now you're going to get on the set and you're going to be like, wow, I'm on the set and I have to deliver, you know, but I, I think also another important thing is the mindset. Don't think you want to be a part of the film industry. Just know it. I'm a film professional. Even though I'm just starting, I'm a professional, but this is the beginning of my profession. And we'll see where we are in five years, six years, 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, you know, that sort of thing. 
Michael, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Hey Slayers, if you liked that episode, please go and give us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. And be sure to go check out slayawaywithus.com for more reviews and essays on our favorite genre, horror.